All right, what's up guys? My name is Brennan. If you are new, welcome. If you are returning, welcome back. This is week three of the North Boulevard Fuel class um, with a college young adults ministry here at North Boulevard Church of Christ. Um, we are in the middle of our Only Human series. So again, this is week three. If you've missed the first two, you're interested, want to know what we've been talking about, go check us out on YouTube, go check us out on Facebook, North Boulevard Fuel. Um, you'll find all of our lessons there, and yeah, um, so without further ado, let's kind of jump into it. Um, I'm going to say, guys, this is just kind of a weird time in life, right? Like, I saw a thing that apparently there's a dust storm coming from the Sahara Desert right now, and it's just kind of like, you know, it's like a bingo card at this point. You, just, you don't really know what's going to come next, what's going to happen, but um, we're here. We're going to dive into God's Word. It's going to be a great time. Again, so glad that you're with us, so glad that you're here. Um, I will warn you that um, through some scheduling errors on my end, um, uh, Tyler and Megan are two usual video, uh, people that do the video, um, do an amazing job with that. They're not here. I'm actually flying solo today. If you've ever spoken to a completely empty room, it's about the most uncomfortable thing you will ever do, but we're going to get through it. But they do this awesome thing where when I mess up, they cut stuff out, make it go away. And we're not going to have that this week. So this is pure, unfiltered, un unadulterated Brennan. So strap in. We're going to have a blast. It's going to be a good time. So if you're just joining us, just to kind of jump back over, our series topic is called Only Human. And so what we're looking at is different places in the Bible where God and human beings have encountered each other. Um, we've talked about how in kind of just the ridiculous times over the last six or seven months, people are just kind of asking, you know, where is God? Why is God not intervening? What's he doing? And so I thought, and you know, I don't know that I feel God there anymore. And so I felt like it was important that we kind of dive into some places in the Bible that talk to us about where God is, about when He interacts with us, what that looks like, what He does on His end, what we do on our end. And so just to run through it really quick, um, week one, we jumped straight in on the first encounter between God and man, between Adam and Eve. We looked at God build His most beautiful creation in us and in human beings. And he, we looked at him and trust us with the Garden of Eden and this beautiful thing. And we looked at man not being able to handle that trust, at man wanting to say, God, I know you have something great in store for me, but I think I know better than you, so we're going to try to do what we want to do. And ultimately, out of that, we find that God, when we break those boundaries, when we, we break that responsibility, God sends consequences. And so then, last week, we moved out of Adam and Eve. We looked at Moses. We looked at a... Uh, young man that was raised as a prince in the palace of Egypt. He was cast out into the wilderness. God comes to him and says, hey, my people are enslaved in Egypt and your people as well. You are going to be my vessel to go and bring my people out of Egypt. And we look at Moses go, uh-uh, not me. And that's going to be a theme we're going to see over and over again for the next little bit. But we see Moses say, God, I don't think I'm ready for that. But we see God say, I'm going to send you to do this, and I'm going to empower you with everything you need. We see God show Moses signs. We see God show Moses strength. We see God encourage Moses and tell him he's going to give him other help and other people to support him, like Aaron. And ultimately, we see Moses accept that responsibility. And we talked a little bit last week about how God doesn't call for us to stay on the sidelines. That being a Christian is not staying out of problems. It's not saying, this world is not my responsibility. It's not my home. God made us caretakers of this earth for a reason in Genesis. And it's our responsibility to help take care of it, help take care of His people, help honor um, His children. And so, this week, we're going to jump a little bit ahead. Um, I try... 
I kind of wanted to stay in order as we went through the old, as we went through the first part of the series, kind of through the Old Testament. Um, but I felt like this story was very, very relevant. Um, kind of to piggyback off what we've talked about the last two weeks. So this week we're going to look at the book of Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah is one of the shortest books of the prophets. It's only four chapters. It's a pretty straightforward, um, straightforward story. So, Jonah lived in the time of the Hebrew king Rehoboam. He was a very well-known prophet. Um, and so God eventually gives Jonah a pretty big task. So we're going to jump straight into the scripture. Um, I'm reading out of the CSB version if you want to follow along. Um, we start in Jonah chapter 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. So Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians were one of the greatest nemesis enemies of the Israelite people. They were constantly at war. They were constantly in trying to invade and plunder the Israelites. Um, so when God tells a Hebrew, tells an Israelite, hey, I want you to go into the middle of Assyria and preach my word, that was a big deal. Um, Jonah, most likely, as an Israelite, would have been killed immediately upon stepping into the city. So when Jonah hears this, he's like, uh-uh, not me, God. You know, Moses wasn't special in that. Of people that when God calls them, when God challenges them, don't really trust God to protect them in that situation. And so Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going there. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. So God comes to Jonah and says, Hey, I have this thing I want you to do. I have this um, challenge. I have a message that I need you to give to these people. Here's where you're going to go. Here's what you're going to say. Jonah goes, No, God, I'm good. And he bails. Um, one of my favorite depictions of this situation, of this encounter... Um, it comes from my youth minister, David Skidmore. Um, if you don't know him, get to know him. He's an amazing guy. But something he would always say was that this is an exact representation of the two ways that you can encounter God, which are you can listen the first time. When God gives you a goal, when God gives you a direction, when He gives you a message, you say, all right, God, let's go do the thing. Let's go. Whatever it is, I trust you. I know that you've got my back. Let's go. Jonah picks option number two, which is run and hide and wait for God to get your attention. So, God gets Jonah's attention in a pretty major way. So Jonah sets out on the ship, and picking up in verse 4, the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. So Jonah is asleep in the ship and God sends a storm. And the sailors on the ship are panicking, freaking out, thinking they're going to drown. They're going to die. And they're calling out to any God they can think of. Um, just, you know, somebody save us. And finally they go down and they ask Jonah, you know, hey, pray to your God. See if he'll help you. And so they ask him, um, where are you from? Who, you know, who do you worship? Because, well, I'm a Hebrew and I worship, um, I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens. And these men knew the power of God when he told them this. They may not have worshipped him, but they knew the power of the, God of the the God of Israel. And so it says they're immediately seized with fear. And they asked him, what have you done? How have you um, called this upon us? And so the men's solution 
on Jonah's recommendation is that they call out to the Lord and they say, please spare us. Um, here's the man you're looking for. And they throw Jonah into the sea. And when he hits the water, the storm dissipates. And once it does that, the men are safe. So you have Jonah kind of flopping around in the water. He's been thrown out of the ship into the middle of this giant storm. The storm dissipates. And it's like, man, what's going to happen to him? I mean, kind of one of the more famous parts of this story says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So you got to take a look at Jonah's plight over the last little bit. God has come to him. God has said, hey, need you to take a message for me. need you to take this challenge on. Um, I know you can do it. Get at it. Um, you have Jonah saying, nuh-uh. I know you're the creator of the universe. I know you saved my people from the Egyptians. I know that you've lorded over us um, since the beginning. But God, I, I don't know that I can trust you on this one. I'm out. And so he runs away. And if you guys remember, like it, it, people running and hiding from God is always hilarious to me. Um, we see it in the book of Adam when they realize that they're naked, that um, they try to go hide in the garden. And um, even Moses, it says that when he encounters God in the burning bush, he tries to hide his face. We try to hide from the God that created the universe, created every aspect of our existence. And it's like, we, we think it'll work. Um, I think this is one of the biggest challenges in faith and Christianity as a whole, is we think there are places we can go that God can't see us and that God can't find us. Um, and that can look a bunch of different ways. That can look like, um, you know... Well, God's only at church. So when I'm at church, I'm good. I'm going to sing the songs. I'm going to say the prayers. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to put on the, put on the smile. I'm going to hug the elder's wife. Um, I'm going to volunteer at VBS. But when I leave, when I go to school, that doesn't count anymore. God, God doesn't see me at college. God doesn't see me in high school. Um, he doesn't see what I do there. He doesn't see how I talk to my mom when I'm at home. He doesn't see how I treat my girlfriend and our relationship. And nothing is further from the truth. So we have this belief that we are able to separate ourselves from God, that we are able to um, remove ourselves from Him. But the reality is about the furthest we can move from God is if we are here and we're facing God and we're talking to Him, we can turn away from it. That is something we can do. But there is never a point where He's not right there. All He's asking for us to do is turn back around. And we see this even with Jonah. He has directly defied God, the creator of the universe, and God is, he's thrown, been thrown into the sea, conjures a fish from the bottom, of the, um, the bottom of the sea to swallow him and keep him safe for three days and three nights. There's been a lot of situations and a lot of times where I look back and I see that I was thrown into the sea and God kept me safe. Um... <laughs> I can tell you quite honestly, I've never been eaten by a giant fish. Um, that's never been something I've encountered. Um, it'd be a wild story if, if I had. Um, but God has protected me in times where I've tried so hard to turn away from Him. And I've said, God, you know what? That's great. I'm so, you know, yeah, awesome. You're the creator of the universe. I know you have all these expectations of us. But right now, I need you to stay here. I want to go have fun. I want to go try something different. I want to go push some boundaries, pull some edges. So God, thanks, but no thanks. I'll be back. Just stay right here. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to try and do my own thing. 
And there's been so many people that God has placed in my life during those idiotic moments that looking back on have been God directly placing His hand upon me and saying, you don't get it right now. But I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep you protected until you do. Those people have been ministers. Those people have been elders. Those people have been friends. God has sent people to all of us in our life where, again, you might not be being swallowed out of the sea, but He has sent people to wrap their arms around us and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Um, you may not see it right now, but God's doing something here, and we're going to get you there. So, Jonah's in the belly of the fish, and he begins praying to God, basically saying, you know, hey, uh, I know I said some things that you probably didn't approve of. Um, I know that whole uh, trying to run away thing probably wasn't my greatest idea. Um, but I'm sorry, I've made a mistake. You've saved me. He even says that in uh, verse 6, You raised my life from the pit, Lord God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. I remembered the Lord. I would imagine everybody watching this at home, and maybe not, but I would imagine everybody has a moment where they have tried so hard to turn right here and to forget the Lord. Again, not able to remove yourself from Him. He's always there, but we've tried so hard to go, He's not there, He's not there, He's not there, He's not there, He's not there. And as long as we don't look back there, we know that we're safe. I'm going to get in trouble again for telling stories about my childhood, but um, there were so many times that when I was a kid, and you know, You've done something stupid. You broke something. If I don't look at it, it's not broken. The time me and my sister um, were messing around when we were kids and I was tossing her onto the couch playing airplane and I tossed her at the wrong angle and her chin went through and hit a piece of wood and busted open and we had family pictures that night. If I didn't look, she was fine. I could forget what had happened as long as I didn't look. And while those stories as examples sound silly, do we not do it all the time? We try so hard to forget God. God, I, you're there, but I, she's really beautiful, God. She's gorgeous. And I know you've told us how you want us to live in a relationship, how you want us to do things. But if I stay faced this way and I focus really, really hard, I can forget those things. And we can enjoy that with each other. Yeah, I know you said that we need to be married, but you know what? Just forget, 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 forget. And we focus so hard ahead of us. God, I know you told us that we need to be kind to other people, but you don't get what they said or what they did. So I'm going to focus on them. I'm going to dial in on that, and I'm going to try my best to forget about you back here. God, I know that you created every single one of us and every one of us is your child and every one of us is made specially and with a unique and with a purpose. But they don't look like me. They don't talk like me. They don't act like me. So maybe you made them, but I think it's different. And again, we turn and we try so hard to forget about the God, the creator of the universe that has set so many beautiful things in motion for us, that has created this beautiful thing and these beautiful people and these beautiful um, parts of our lives. But again, we can try so hard to forget, 
but it doesn't change. He's right there. And Jonah says, as I remembered the Lord, my prayer came to you to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So then, in one of the greatest lines in the Bible, Jonah has gotten the word from God. He has tried to run away. He's been trapped at sea in a horrible storm. He's been thrown overboard into um, swirling, freezing water. He's been swallowed by a fish and drugged down into the depths, and for three days and three nights lived inside of this fish. Finally, he prays, and he is spit out. Um, onto a shore. And it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. So again, like we talked about, Jonah the entire time is right here. God's right here. Jonah's right here. And this is the moment where Jonah has tried so hard to stay focused, they turned away, that God reaches around his shoulder and goes, Hey, you good? All right, remember that stuff I said earlier? Still mean it. Let's go. Let's get at it. And so Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's demand. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk, and Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. The people of Nineveh believed God. Now hang on. That's an incredible thing right there, and I think it's something we lose track of right there. It kind of gets overlooked. Jonah is a known prophet of God. Literally talking to God and telling people what he said is what he does. It's what, he, it's what he's always done. And God gave him a message and Jonah said, no God, I'm good. Jonah walks into the middle of a pagan city that worship everything under the sun except for God. And says that God is going to demolish the city of Nineveh. And the people immediately believed God. On the spot. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. That is such a real thing. If you've ever had an opportunity to talk to somebody that doesn't have, um, didn't grow up with faith in their life, you will be amazed at the conversations and the things that come out of those um, encounters. Um, especially growing up in the South in the Bible Belt. We have a habit of accepting Christianity and accepting faith as just something everybody does and something that you're supposed to do. And if you're not doing it and you haven't done it yet, um, that's just kind of a weird outlier, right? And I feel like so often it becomes rudimentary, you know? All right, it's Sunday, so alarm went off at 7.15. Let's get up, put on the shirt, put on the belt, tuck it in. Grab the coffee. Okay, are we to our pew? Let's shake hands. You know, shake hands with him. Hug her. Yes, I've grown. Ha ha ha. Okay. Um, song message. Um, all right, are we done? Okay, let's go get lunch. All right, game starts at twelve. And yet, you have people that have never encountered the word of God, literally declaring a fast, saying, "Hey, we're not going to eat to honor you." Dressing in sackcloth. Um, from the greatest to the least. And when the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. He then issued a decree in Nineveh by order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. 
They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, people and animal must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger, so we will not perish. God saw their actions, that he had turned from their evil ways, and God relented from the disaster he threatened them with and did not do it. Jonah, takes, Jonah gets the word. Jonah runs from the word. God brings Jonah back. Jonah takes the word to the Ninevites who don't know God. They immediately take the word. God sees it. God accepts it. God goes forward. This was one of the most pagan um, people in existence at the time. They had no love for God in their heart. They had no focus on Him. They had no um, respect for Him. But upon hearing His word, they dropped everything they had to honor Him. God respected it. God valued it. It's a beautiful thing. And that's the place I think we struggle as Christians. The Ninevites didn't question. They didn't ask. It wasn't, well, do we have to, God? Um, you know, I know you said you're going to destroy it, but maybe like, could you, could you do next Tuesday instead of this Tuesday? Are there other options? Um, they dropped everything they were doing to begin showing honor and respect to the Lord. And that's a question I think we have to look at. What things are we not willing to drop? to focus on the Lord. What are we not willing to fast from? What are we not willing to give up? Um, and I know I say that and people immediately go to, you know, well, I'm, I guess I, I listen to decent music most of the time. Um, I don't watch movies that are worse than PG-13, um, except for Deadpool that one time, but I, I, rep I repented for that, so we're good. Um, But what about when making it to the golf course on Saturday morning is more important than getting up and praying with your kids? What about when making it home for the football game on Sunday is more important than um, taking communion? What about when that extra hour shift at work to get that extra, you know, $15, $20, whatever it is, is more important than coming home to eat dinner with your family? Those are things that we're afraid to drop to show honor to God. And so that's typically kind of where the story of Jonah gets left off, but there's actually a fourth chapter to this book. And I would argue it's the most powerful part of the entire book. There's no more storms, there's no more fish, there's no more fire in the sky. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. So Jonah has taken this word into the kingdom of Nineveh. He's told them this, they've repented. They're showing honor to God. They're doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And so God says, okay, you're good. And Jonah is furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country, that why I fled towards Tarsus in the first place? I know you're gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sin and disaster. But Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord says, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter and sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God made a plan and grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. He was greatly pleased. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. And then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? 
So God has sent this plant to provide shelter for Jonah, and then he kills it. And Jonah is angry. And he says, yes, um, it's right. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. So may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and left as well as many animals. And this is the weird part of the book of Jonah. It ends on a question. God basically asking Jonah, okay, you're upset that that one plant came and died. I am worried about 120,000 people. And this is the place where this gets tricky. This is where this gets hard. Jonah took his message of turn or burn, baby. Hey guys, you're sinning. You need to stop. If you don't, we're burning this whole thing down. And the people stopped. And so God says, hey, you're good. Jonah's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were taking, remember, burning the whole thing down, destruction, 40 days, that whole thing. God isn't dropping fire and storms on cities right now. Although, in today's world, if it happened tomorrow, I wouldn't be that surprised. Um, but there are so many places where we keep expecting God to intervene and drop you know, fire and thunder on these people. Um, and it's not the way God works sometimes. God wants to see each and every one of us in heaven with Him one day. God wants to see white people, black people, Arabian people, Hispanic people. He wants to see Democrats and Republicans. God wants all of us there. And so there's so many times when we're like, God, you need to get them. You need to get them. They're saying stuff I don't agree with. I, it's disrespectful. Let's go. Fire something. Let's go. But God works... No pun intended. God forbid to save souls. To not just drop fire, to not just drop thunder, to not just you know obliterate and wipe away, but to try to change people's hearts. And like we talked about last week, the scary part of that is that He uses us to make that change. So what are my takeaways today? Um, number one, kind of something we've said the last two weeks, God's not afraid to call you to action. Number two, you have two choices on what you're going to do with that call. You can either li listen the first time, or you can run and you can hide and you can wait for God to get your attention. But go ahead and strap in. Him getting your attention usually isn't very fun. And again, it may not be a storm at, storm at sea, it may not be a hurricane, it may not be a whale, but it might be losing people you care about. It might be family that says, you know what, until you can get that figured out, I've got to give you some space. It can be a... You know, it can be losing a job. It can be losing an education. God will do what it takes to get you to figure out that you're on the wrong path. God rewards those that respond to His message. The Assyrians were the most lawless pagan people around. They listened to God, they responded to God, and He immediately spared their lives. And finally, it is not our place to be upset when he makes that decision. Like I said, guys, God's intent for this world 
is that one day the people that right now in this world, whether they are Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Wiccan, Sikh, whatever, God wants to see every one of those people in His kingdom one day. Our challenge is to allow Him to work through us to make that happen. Thank you guys very much for your time. If you stuck around through the whole thing, I appreciate it. Um, once again, check us out on YouTube, on Facebook, North Boulevard Fuel Class. We're also on the North Boulevard website. I discovered that last week and didn't know that. Um, and yeah. Um, hope everybody has a great 4th of July week. And um, yeah, guys, I'm going to say a quick prayer. We're going to get out of here. Um, Father God, we thank you so much for um, being willing to call us to something higher than ourselves, God. For being willing to push us, for being willing to get us out of our comfort zone and to remind us every day, hey, I'm still here. Um, God, as hard as we try to forget that, as hard as we try to turn away from that, thank you for your relentless love for us, your relentless effort. Um, we ask that you empower each and every one of us, that you continue to use us and push us towards something greater. Um, and God, we thank you so much for your son on the cross. Um, we ask God that you protect our, um, our leaders right now, God, that you empower them, that you speak your wisdom and your truth into them, and that every decision they make um, be reflected of you. We ask that you keep, um, keep us safe right now, God, in just a ridiculous time period. Keep everybody healthy. Keep everybody well. And um, God, we thank you so much for your son on the cross because we know um, it's all about him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.